Hey everyone, Ben here with a quick interruption before we get into today's episode to let you know that we have been nominated for a Sports Podcast Award. Yippee! That is very, very exciting. We are actually incredibly honoured and excited to have that nominee. And you, the listener, yes, the very person that is listening to this right now can help us win a Sports Podcast Award and get us on the podium for once rather than always being off the podium. To do so, head to sportspodcastawards.com dot com register to vote click on the best olympic and paralympic podcast category where you can then vote for us to win now you will have to listen to the other nominees as well but let's be honest you know you're going to vote for us because you're listening to our show today which means we know you like us and we'd very much appreciate the vote in advance sportspodcastawards.com that's how you do it and we thank you in advance and everybody who votes for us we promise to thank you in our acceptance speech should we win. Right now, I'm going to shut up, play some music, and then you're going to hear me talk again as we get into today's episode of Off the Podium. Enjoy. They're standing and they're applauding that dramatic performance by James Orville and Christopher Dean. Alex Philodome. It takes a lot to make him happy and he is clearly pleased. She's up, she's moving nicely. She's got to be Yes! Sally Stegel, 132.67, has won at least the medal. She's 0.24 of Duke On the ice with a Gimlet. A Gimlet scoping! It is Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for another athlete interview as we inch so close to the Beijing Winter Olympics. And today we are returning to the great sport of Nordic Combined. You know I'm excited. You know how much I love this sport. And we are speaking to rising star in the sport, American Nicholas Malczynski. Now, Nicholas is... Uh, an emerging star in the sport, uh, competed at the 2020 Youth Olympics, finished fifth there, has had some great success earlier this year throughout some of the competitions in both the US and in Europe, competed in the World Championships in the team event, and a very interesting story about his time at the Junior World Championships. He was unfortunately disqualified there, but a unique story he tells about why he was disqualified. But this is a, a fascinating chat to learn a lot more about the sport, learn the unique aspect of it, why it's a sport that still a lot of people really don't know a lot about in certain parts of the world, and just why people should learn more about it. So this is a fantastic chat. You're going to enjoy it. Here is our chat with American Nordic combined athlete, Nicholas Malachinsky. I am a massive fan of one sport when it comes to the Winter Olympics. And we've only ever had one guest from this sport on the show before. I wasn't on that episode. So this is the very first time that I have been able to talk to somebody from this sport. The sport, of course, 
is Nordic combined. The greatest sport that exists on the planet, let's be honest. And I'm very excited to learn more about it today from an athlete who is on the cusp of potentially making the Beijing Olympics, competes with Team USA, has competed at the Youth Olympics, and is doing some great things through the sport out there on the world stage. It is a pleasure to welcome to Off the Podium, Nicholas Malachinsky. Nicholas, first of all, welcome to Off the Podium. It's a pleasure to chat with you today. Thank you. I'm excited to be on here. I, I'm excited for you to be on here too because, as I said, Nordic combined, this sport is just amazing. I, I absolutely love uh, Nordic combined. And I, I always am intrigued when athletes compete in sports where it's multiple sports combined that it just it, it works. It, these, there should be more of these. There should be more sports that are all combined together, put them all in the Olympics and just make it just more entertaining than they already are. So, I mean, do you try and sell this sport as just such an incredible sport that I ski jump and I cross-country ski? This basically makes me awesome because I do two sports in one, therefore it is an awesome sport. Yeah, so it's actually kind of interesting. I uh, usually present my sport as ski jumping to people who don't, uh, live, grow up in the environment of Nordic combined, just because Nordic combined is not a very common sport to some people. So I'll introduce that as ski jumping and then I'll actually add on it's Nordic combined. So it's ski jumping and Nordic or, and cross country skiing. So, um, yeah, uh, most people just don't know what Nordic combined is. Which is, it's, it's fascinating to think because, it's funny how you say, like, people automatically know what ski jumping is. I mean, obviously, they do. do, do pe- I mean, I'm assuming people know what cross-country is. So it's kind of fascinating that people don't really sort of know it, kind of what it is. And what, what are people's reactions when you kind of do sell it to them? It's like, oh, okay, bonus, you do too. Like, that's kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, I mean, combining two sports is not very common nowadays. But um, I get, I've gotten some pretty funny reactions um, and I guess this kind of confusion of like, kind of why would you even do that Two completely different sports? Which I then have to ask the question then, Nicholas, why, why do you like sort of what led you into uh, getting into Nordic combined? Um, it's a big part of it is growing up in a ski town. Uh, I grew up in steamboat Springs, Colorado, as well as Rovaniemi, uh, Finland. So um, skiing has kind of been engraved into my lifestyle and um one day i just saw um the newspaper on the uh olympic winners or olympic medalists um build among uh, johnny splain and todd lodwick and i actually got to go to some kind of convention they had and i held their medals and all um and from there on, I kind of knew I wanted to be in that path of Nordic combined. Um, and I'd say other than that, it's just, I guess the, how weird the sport is, is kind of what got me into it. <laughs> so, so when it comes to that aspect of growing up in Steamboat Springs in sort of a, a ski town, I, I mean, is it also a case of you are trying all the disciplines? So like you're giving Alpine a bit of a go, you know, some freestyle aspects, snowboarding, things like that. And then eventually it was maybe some of the Nordic events that kind of stuck with you as well. 
Yeah, so um, I've been in a ton of sports growing up. Um, my mom put me in cross-country skiing. My dad's a ski instructor. So it's like I've got the variety of different um, Nordic and skiing sports. Um, it's just I think ski jumping stuck with me because I guess I just love the feeling of flying uh, and it's indescribable. But um, then I also stayed with cross-country skiing just because um, I'd say being able to see the hard work that pays off is um, pretty great. You're mentioning that it's sort of not the most common sport and that a lot of people sort of aren't familiar with it. When it comes to Steamboat Springs, though, I mean, it seems that a lot of Nordic combined skiers come from Steamboat Springs in, in, in the U.S. I mean, is that... I guess the capital for the sport when it comes to the US is that the, the the one place where maybe if you were to bump into somebody in the street, they're going to be more likely to have heard of Nordic combined than they would say if you're walking downtown New York or Los Angeles or something like that. Yeah, 100%. I'd say it's one of the capitals of Nordic combined. I'd say uh, it's mostly, I guess in the bigger areas of where it is, is Steamboat Springs, uh, Colorado, Park City, Utah, and Lake Placid, New York. Um, I'd say those are the hot spots, but um, Steamboat has always been known for uh, Olympians coming out of here. And honestly, I think it's just um, the environment of the small ski town is um, and the history behind ski jumping here. I, I was reading a bit about Steamboat Springs and it seems very interesting because it's not the biggest town, but the, the amount of Olympians it's produced. So, I mean, is, is that it's number one export <laughs> Olympians basically, because it just, it really does seem for, for a town of that size, it's got some great facilities. It's obviously in a very good location for athletes from winter sports, but I mean, this, this is what it's best known for. Yeah. Uh, 100%. I think, um, in my experience, I've seen, or like, I've tr been able to train with, uh, many very successful athletes from here too. In terms of the aspect of being in Finland as well. I mean, how is the sport in, in Finland? Is it, is it a little bit bigger than it is in the U S because obviously Nordic combines very big in, in European countries. Is Finland one of those countries where it is a, a very big sport? Yeah, I'd say it's not as big as it used to be, but it's still huge. I mean, it's a part of the Nordic countries and it's engraved in their history. So um, it's cool to be a part of that kind of culture too. You mentioned meeting those guys with the medals, getting to hold their medals. I mean, obviously it was a very big deal in Vancouver for the sport uh, in the U.S. For, for the medals that were won. U.S. had never won medals in, in Nordic combined ever at the Olympics and then won a bunch in Vancouver, obviously. And, and that, I'm sure, not only inspired someone like you, but, I mean, other people. I mean, was that a case of the sport really did boom? Uh, you know, I mean, you've grown up with it, kind of. That's kind of been what you've, you've been doing. But did you all of a sudden find other people there that were maybe just doing ski jumping? And, like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna add the cross-country skiing to it. Let's, let's Nordic combine. This is great. The U.S. has done well in this, so let, let's get into it. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I can't say I uh, remember exactly uh, people specifically coming into the sport because of those guys. Um, I'm sure it happened, but I was so young, I wouldn't remember that. But uh, most of the time, uh, athletes actually start out as cross-country skiers, and then they start to incorporate ski jumping in there. Um, right. That's, I'd say, the most common route. Which is that then a lot of people, is, 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 is it, when it comes to the sport and you're sort of getting to 
developing it further and progress up the ranks. Is that then more difficult to learn the ski jumping aspect if you're doing the cross country kind of things? I mean, sort of what if you're focused on that so young and then adding that to it? I mean, what are sort of the difficulties in adding ski jumping to what you already know in cross country skiing? Um, so honestly, um, most people do start when they're really young, even for ski jumping. Like I started when I was seven. So you kind of get the basics down when you're young, if you start that young, but I'd say, um, no matter who it is, it's, it's the same for almost any sport is you start with the basics, you start with, um, technique on dry land, then you move to uh, maybe five meter hill and then, uh, maybe outruns, um, and then you just keep working up the hill sizes as you build confidence and experience. Um, and honestly, it's a never ending um, cycle of just building. We've had a few ski jumpers on recently and I sort of love hearing that first moment when they've gotten on to one of the big hills, be it the, the 90 or the, or the 120. Do you, do you remember your first time getting onto one of those hills and what that experience was like? Yeah, so I was actually, um, my first big hill, or 90, uh, was also in Steamboat, uh, as well as the big hill. Um, and uh, like I said before, the feeling is just indescribable, especially when it's your first time, just the amount of adrenaline pumping through your blood and um, the excitement of a successful landing, uh, I'd say. Um, when I was younger, it was more nervousness than excitement. Um, but now it kind of grew into just excitement. So in terms of then the training aspect, I mean, you're loving the excitement there of, of the ski jumping, but obviously I'm no doubt you're balancing the, the skiing aspect with the ski jumping. So do you just kind of have, oh, it's cross country day. Oh, I don't get to fly today. Oh, well, like, you know, that, that will come back to that tomorrow. <laughs> or is it sort of a, a balance where you can kind of keep that excitement still going for that cross country element when you're training? It, it's definitely a balance. I, I think I have, um, I have love for both sports and, uh, most of the time I'm excited to go out no matter what I'm doing. Um, and I'd say, um, sometimes the break from jumping can also help mentally just cause it is, um, it's kind of funny how closer this to golf is like, it's so mental that, um, the smallest, thing can happen in the next day you're jumping the worst and uh another day you're jumping the best you've ever jumped um so i'd say sometimes breaks are nice but um i'm always motivated to go out no matter what it is it's interesting you mentioned the golf aspect because that's something that's come up a lot with our ski jumping guests and it's something that i was not really familiar with the men- the really large mental aspect of ski jumping but then of course with cross-country skiing that is clearly more physical. So, I mean, like, that's where the unique aspect is of this sport, isn't it? Where you've got such a mental aspect of one sport and then a physical aspect of the other and kind of combining it, which, again, must make it incredibly difficult on that training aspect because you've got to get the focus of a mental side of things that a ski jumper would do, mixing it with the physical side that you would already do and the physical side across country and then that meant it's it's a shit show nicholas it sounds it must be an amazing thing to train for that you're constantly always doing yeah i agree it's uh, quite the experience i'd say um and usually how it goes is when you improve in one aspect which let's say jumping then you'd um get you maybe wouldn't have the fastest times in skiing and vice versa it's um it's it's a uh, 
it's kind of a game of catch up in each sport. I'd say it's pretty rare that you're um, in your most elite, um, I guess, shape uh, in both sports at a time. Which is it also when it comes to the age aspect of it too, is, is there a peak age for a Nordic combined athlete in terms of uh, are you better when you're younger do you need to sort of grow into it because uh, again we've learned in ski jumping a lot about body size and shape and kind of your, your body growing and, and fitting into it so i can imagine that would play a part of it but i mean what's you know the general peak age of a nordic combined athlete right so i'd say the majority of athletes start when they're pretty young i'd say under 10 years old um or around there but there are some pretty successful athletes that have uh, come up from starting at an older age, like my sister, Annika Malasinski is, um, she started when she, she was 16 and she's 20 now and she's doing super well. She just got top tens in the summer grand prix and she's improving drastically. So it's, it's really depends on the person. Like some people can't do that. Um, but I'd say the prime age is right around 10 years old. Um, cause I, allows your body to kind of grow into it, I'd say. I was going to ask about Annika because, yeah, I noticed her results and things that she was doing. I mean, did, did she follow in your footsteps? Was it a case of seeing what you were doing doing out there or kind of was it just, uh, hey, look, you know, why not? Let's give it a crack. <laughs> yeah, so I'd say she started as a gymnast, actually. She was um, actually pretty successful in gymnastics, but then she got injured too many times and then, she kind of was in this period of like, what do I do next? Um, and then it was actually 4th of July. We have this event here in Steamboat. Uh, it's called jumping and jamming. It's basically just kind of a, for fun event. Um, ton of people come out and watch and all that, but that was actually the day she decided to try ski jumping, uh, in order combined. Um, and she just fell into it. Uh, fell in love with it just like I did. Wow. Fantastic. Jumping it. That, that sounds like an event that everybody should attend. I mean, that sells itself, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, fourth of yeah. July, go to Steamboat, jump and jive know, and like, right? just get involved. <laughs> yeah. That's epic. Oh, fantastic. Which, does that, when you've got a sibling kind of in the sport now as well, does that help kind of spur you on in, in some weird way? Not that it, you weren't already, but to kind of have that family connection. Cause I can imagine then the dinner conversations with your, with your parents uh, are, are quite exciting. Oh, so at the Olympic set, Oh, nearly uh, at the Olympic set, nearly. And it's kind of got this common goal that you can have this, you know, Sunday night dinner conversation over. Yeah, exactly. It's, I'd say having a sibling in the sport is a huge support. I mean, when we're uh, at home training um, by ourselves without the team, um, we just, we motivate each other to train. Uh, It's fun to always have a training partner. And uh, yeah, it's having similar goals uh, as your sibling is definitely a blessing. You mentioned before about sort of improving different aspects of it. Do, do you, does your coach sort of look and go, okay, Nicholas, you, you, you're killing it on the ski jump. You're doing very well, but you, you're dropping a little bit on the cross country. And it's kind of, there's like a balance there in which there's always got to be a maintaining aspect so that if you are maybe not achieving certain aspect in one of the disciplines, that there's really got to be that equal weighted balance there. Yeah. So I'd say it's, it's hard to explain, but so I'd say it's cross country skiing. As long as you're training correctly, you're almost always going to build off of the season before or something like that. But, um, I'd say it's 
if you're in fall season and you notice something's wrong with your cross country skiing, there's not much you can do about it anymore. Um, there are small things, but the, the big thing was cross country skiing is you don't really have an off season. Your off season is still training. And so the summer, which is your off season is basically training to get better than your last year's winter season. Um, but, uh, it's, yeah, that's, I'd say the best I could explain it. Which is also to the summer aspect of ski jumping, because there's the, that summer element where you can still do it basically without the snow, right? So, I mean, do you ever have an off season technically, <laughs> Nicholas, if you can constantly always do both, even when there's no snow? Yeah. So I'd say there's small periods where you can't jump in, um, spring and fall when we switch um like we put snowness on the hill so the snow catches better and in that period of time there's few weeks out of the time where we can't jump um but um otherwise it's always on <laughs> in, in terms of the physical training like what's a general gym workout for you kind of what what are you focusing on when you're actually hitting the gym and you're getting yourself in in peak condition to go towards a competition um, I'd say in the gym, it's, um, it's mostly finding the balance of, um, optimizing your power and still staying light because you do need to be very light for the sport to fly. Um, so it's a lot of, it's a lot of strategy on keeping a lightweight while building power. So it's like, you got to find the right balance between your power to weight ratio. So in generally as a Nordic combined athlete, I can imagine a little heavier than just say a, a solely ski jumping athlete because you've got that power element that you need for the cross country part. So therefore you would be a little bit heavier, a bit more muscle build up than say your average just solo ski jumper. Yeah. So normally Nordic combiners are a bit heavier, but um, it's, I think you'd be surprised on how light some of the skiers are and how fast they are. It doesn't seem possible actually <laughs> on how, um, fit some of these skinny guys are. And it's, yeah, it's constant fight between finding that balance. And in terms of the mental training as well, uh, I mean, do you have anything specific that you like to do to kind of help with that mental preparation when it comes for the ski jumping and even also of course the mental aspect that is involved in cross country right so i'd say meditation and visualization is a huge part of our training um uh basically visualization when you visualize for example like a perfect ski jump and uh feel those feelings uh it's almost like a session off the hill we spoke with Paige Jones and she was talking us about her poetry that she liked to do before she do a jump that kind of helped her get in the, in the zone. I mean, do you have anything extra? Like, I mean, she also listened to music. Is there like a little secret little Nicholas thing that you like to do that maybe, you know, helps you a little bit more than say other athletes that they maybe don't try. Right. Um, I, I don't think there's anything, um, anything I don't do differently. I'd say, uh, I, for me, it's just breathing exercises. Uh, I just try to keep calm. You went to the Youth Olympics in 2020. What was that experience like? Because I always love hearing about experiences at the, the Youth Olympics because they just seem like such a, a great event to not only 
compete in, but also give you give you a bit of a taste for an Olympic Games, get you experience in a multi sport event, and and be around athletes of a of a similar age as well. So, what was that whole experience like going to the Youth Olympics? Right. Yeah. It was uh, honestly, it was awesome. I loved it. It was um, just a community of athletes, like everyone being like you. I guess it's different than being at home and having. Uh, just friends that don't have anything other than school in their life and uh, stuff like that. It's really something that you can bond over uh, with these people. And honestly, you meet so many people. It's um, let's say if, if these Beijing Olympics, if I get the opportunity to go and if they're anything like that, I more than excited. Which how competitive is it in terms of everyone? Cause it's, it seems like a lot more relaxed atmosphere. Obviously, you know, the age kind of helps that, but I still can imagine it's quite competitive. I mean, I read in a questionnaire that you did before the games, you're like, I want to finish top six and you finish fifth overall. So, so you achieve that. But I mean, do you come out of that going, oh, I finished top six, great. Or do you kind of leave going, ah, like so close to a medal, like I could have done it, like, you know, really there, you know, nearly happened. Yeah. Um, so I actually like to keep a mentality of um, like, I'm never really... I guess I am, I do enjoy small moments of success and when I achieve my goals, but I like to keep a cool head of just like, um, I guess like I can keep going from here and building from here. So it's never, it's never like, Oh, I made it. It's more just like these small moments of happiness. And then I try to avoid getting disappointed, um, or anything. I just, um, if it makes sense, I try to keep a mentality of it. It just is. It's not good or bad. It just is. I like that. I kind of That's a way of uh, working around that. Do you get sort of soaked up in the atmosphere then that you would probably have around, say, like the village life? Do you get involved in things like pin trading and kind of meeting all these people and, as you're saying, sort of, you know, relating to them, but getting to hang out with some of the snowboarders or the, the, the figure skaters or sort of, you know, people like that that you maybe don't get to associate too much at some of the events you go to? Yeah. So I, I definitely took advantage of that. I, I mean, I was doing all the pin trading. Uh, I was doing most of the events and I was socializing and uh, meeting new people as much as I can or could. What, what, what is a, is there like a, a sneak out party or something like that you can have at the youth Olympics? Like, I mean, you're also sort of young. You, you, that's what you're wanting to do. Right. So I can imagine like, Hey, like meet me at 11 o'clock. We'll sneak behind there. Well, you know, let's, let's go out and uh, have some fun. <laughs> yeah. So it was actually surprising on how tight the security was. Um, it was uh, like, you'd have to check in and out with their coaches and the security. If you leave the, uh, village or for us, it was like a vortex, uh, type hotel. And, um, you couldn't bring anything in, uh, that they like wouldn't check. And it was crazy. Like I had a small pocket knife actually when I arrived and they took that from me. Uh, wow. yeah, it was, um, I was surprised on how tight the security was. Did you try and flaunt it at all, Nicholas? Was there one moment where you're like, oh, come on, we, we can beat these guys. Come on, there's got to be something we can do here. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't, can't say I tried anything, but, you know, um, I was there to compete at my best, so had to keep that in mind. In terms of the competition sides, and we'll obviously get to the lead-up on how things are tracking for, for Beijing, but, I mean, earlier this year, doing some great things in, in the Continental Cup, 
go to the World Cup as well. Uh, sort of how how have you felt about your progression kind of through the sport as you keep rising through the ranks and, and doing well in these uh, events and, and kind of pro- as we track closer and closer to Beijing? Yeah, you know, um, actually at the start of the season, I was quite shocked um, with my like immediate success the early season and like I had high goals and I had um, and I had like as always believed I could do it but when it came I it came pretty quickly um, and from there on I just like I was luckily I was able to adapt pretty quickly and rethink my goals um, and I'd say I was able to just build off that and I'd say that's what led to a very successful season for me what happened the junior world champs you go towards and i'd read in an interview that this was sort of obviously a a real focus for you but you're disqualified from these events i mean what happened and and how do you get disqualified from a nordic combined event at a competition right um so the equipment rules are actually pretty strict um on your suit and skis and basically all your equipment um so in my situation actually um we so my suit didn't pass enough air uh, they have this machine that forces air through the suit material and if if the number is too low then you're disqualified um and in my case it was honestly just um a lack of being prepared i i mean we tested the suit many times before but uh those numbers change as the suit stretches and conforms and um it was uh it was pretty upsetting because i had competed in that same suit like for three weekends before that and all of the testers or like um staff members tested it or like the all of the equipment control staff uh tested it every single weekend and the numbers were fine but then all of a sudden uh, the numbers changed, so it was pretty disappointing, but um, I'd say I, w- I was able to look past it um, pretty well. How, how do they change? Like, is it a case of you wash it in a different detergent and it adds something to it? Like, I mean, you fold it, really, I, I can't see how it would change if you're doing all that testing and all of a sudden they go, no, numbers are wrong, you're, you're disqualified. Yeah, so actually, um, I think the conclusion that we came to was that the... Uh, equipment control guy uh tested the suit a different way so it was like they flipped the material to where the air is being pushed i guess out of the suit instead of into the suit right and i guess wow. that's kind of our theory on how the numbers changed but it's crazy on how inconsistent the uh i mean testing can be and it's uh, they test they can test absolutely everything there's so many different rules and regulations that if if they want to DQ you, they'll they'll find a way. It's it's crazy to to learn so many of these unique rules when it comes to the sport because I mean that that obviously adds that extra layer of frustration. That sure, if you're disqualified because you know you get a false start or something that you've done yourself, it's kind of something okay, I can work on that. But when it's really through no fault of your own like that just might, must add that extra level of frustration to it because that's not something you personally can fix can, is it right so i guess there there is um 
just preparation, I guess, is the best thing you can do in that situation. Um, practice being measured and to just prepare for everything. So make sure your suit is legal in every way possible is, um, I guess, the only thing you really can do in that situation. You got to go to the Senior World Champs in the team event ninth. I mean, what was that experience like? And, and kind of you're on the team with someone like Taylor Fletcher, who, I mean, I'm sure was one of the guys you probably met sort of back when you're, you know, meeting all the Olympians and now he's, he's your teammate. So, I mean, kind of what's that experience like going to an event like that and, and being next to someone like Taylor? Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, I'd say I learned a lot from that event and it really did give me a taste of the higher level of competition and what the top guys do in that amount of pressure. Um, yeah, it was a huge learning experience and I'm excited to build off that. In terms of Beijing, where are we tracking right now? Uh, I, I believe it sort of comes down to, to quotas. The US can have up to, to five competitors to which at the time of recording this I think you've only got one at the moment if I'm not mistaken so how is that tracking and and sort of what are your chances going towards Beijing that, that you could be on that plane with the rest of the team right um well I'm not going to speak on uh I guess chances of being on the team just because everything can change so quickly in our sport that um I guess all I can do is do my best and um, keep, I guess, my mindset and my training centered on what my real goals of the season are. So um, I'd say if I keep on the right track, I, I'm really hopeful. So what, what are your goals in, in general then for, for the season? Sort of you, you mentioning that kind of like what, what do you have for the, the season in terms of what you're hoping to achieve? Yeah, so I guess the biggest one for this season for me um, is obviously Beijing and qualifying and actually competing well there. Um, going to 2022 specifically has been a goal of mine since I was seven or eight years old. So um, I always kind of knew that this this year was a chance. Um, and then... I guess from there, my whole life kind of revolved around the sport as soon as I uh, kind of got reach of the goal. And for the rest of this season, um, I have high hopes for Junior Worlds this year um, as I'm becoming one of the older athletes there. And uh, same old uh, COC ranking and just getting high up on the ranking list. And I actually... Um, Another high goal of mine is to score World Cup points this year. So that means a top 30. What is that feeling like then? You mentioned it sort of this has been your dream since you were eight years old. That it, that we are so close. That like this is this is now what it's all been building up for. That this is the the last sort of months in which you can qualify for. Is, is there like adrenaline because it's exciting? This is your goal. I mean, is it kind of balancing some nerves? I mean, kind of how are you sort of feeling as we get closer and closer? Um, it's honestly a lot of anxiety and actually stress, but, um, I find my ways to cope with it and I just have to recenter myself to trust the process, I guess. Um, I try not to think of it as this huge thing, uh, to avoid getting in my head, but yeah. 
what what sort of things are you doing then you you mentioning sort of those moments you can have sort of an off season so like kind of what what are you doing to relax are you the hobbies i mean enjoy playing other sports watching sports things along those lines yeah uh honestly even uh going uh, even doing anything for my sport is relaxing and clears my head for me uh, just because I enjoy it so much. Um, but other than that, uh, on my free time, I basically just cross train and do hobbies like biking, swimming, running, stuff like that. Um, and I find that to be a great way to clear my head. Which I can imagine with any winter athlete getting to do any sort of summer sport is kind of fun. So like, I mean, you know, you're spending so much time around snow and everything along those lines. So getting a chance to swim in a pool must be, must feel pretty good every now and then. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Which is also to a case of like even the, the biking aspect and, and everything too, because that's a great thing about any winter sport, particularly sort of when you're around mountains so much, you know, the, the skiing based ones is that, when there's no snow on them, you can still use them and then getting that biking aspect. And I'm sure biking is probably a very good training aspect, particularly for the, the cross-country element of Nordic combined. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say anything that involves endurance is going to help you in the long run. Um, and honestly, cross-training is uh, great to do uh, quite often, actually. Now, for our, uh, our our video audience right now behind you, I, I mentioned you off air, you've got the great finished jersey there, but I also see a, a series of bibs. So is this is this something that you like to sort of collect sort of after every competition that you that you get your bibs and kind of uh, put them on display, the, the, the most favorite ones? And the ones behind you, what are, what are those ones that you've got? Uh, so those are actually all the Youth Olympic ones. Great. <laughs> and then that finished jersey is just kind of a um, – that- my old jersey that I used to play with um and honestly it's just um kind of like a memory type thing and I've my teammates have said I mean on based on the way they act is they kind of grew out of that phase or I don't know if they ever had that phase but they're giving away bibs left and right and whenever I'm asked to give away a bib I'm like wait no I want this one (laughs) it's like um I'm sure I'll grow out of it someday but for now I I enjoy collecting everything that I compete and like I have all my um, accreditation and stuff like that from competitions and I I keep those. Is it a sport in which there's bib trading? So like if you say make the Olympics and then you come across a guy who you're like, oh my God, you're my idol. I want to meet you. Like I want to swap bibs. Like does that happen at all? Um. Actually, not that I know of, not uh, bib swapping, just because most events, all the bibs are pretty similar. Um, but I guess the bigger thing is is uh, uniform swapping. Right. Uh, yeah. So, like, the last day of Youth Olympics, everyone was out in the middle of the field, uh, huddled around, like, asking to trade different pieces of clothing and stuff like that. Great. Did you get any cool sort of uh, uniforms? That uh, What did you trade for and, and what's sort of the favorite one that you might have gotten? I actually got a Germany uh, t-shirt from nice. another Nordic Combined athlete. And then I got an Australian uh, ah. quarter, uh, quarter zipper, like long sleeve shirt. It was, um, I actually don't know who that came from. I just kind of, it was kind of a quick exchange. I was going to say that wouldn't have been from a Nordic combined athlete. So I don't know. I was going to say, what sport was that from? (laughs) We've had one Nordic combined athlete ever in the Olympics back in 1960. So it's been been a while. Uh, When it comes to, say, watching the hockey at the Olympics, I mean, 
who you who you're rooting for? Do you do you obviously Team USA or are you kind of a bit swayed towards the the Finns? Just uh, kind of with that history with them. Um, honestly, it's uh, it go, it's on and off. You know, I I guess based on whoever's playing better and who uh, I guess whoever is in the finals and um, when it's USA versus Finland, um, um, I'd say I'd, mm, it's hard to say, but. <laughs> I'm, I am rooting for both teams, but um, I can't say I would root for one over the other. Um, I, I, I like that kind of neutrality because I was just about to say, if it comes to gold medal match in Beijing and all of a sudden it's Finland versus USA, you might just have yeah. to lock yourself in a room and go, oh, I'm just going to watch this. I, I can't tell you who I'm cheering for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd, I'm sure I'd be happy for whoever won. Well, that would be a unique final, actually, because what? USA haven't won gold since 1980. Finland have never won gold. So it'd be kind of one mm-hmm. of those things where it's like, do I want the drought broken, like Miracle on Ice 2, or do we want, you know, Finland to win their first? Because I, I would know that if Finland was to win gold in hockey at an Olympics, I mean, the country would shut down, wouldn't it? That'd be partying for the next four years. <laughs> Absolutely. It's huge there. So I, I can't even imagine. I probably wouldn't even want to be in Finland for that time. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've seen the footage when Finland won Eurovision. I mean, that was, you know, a song contest. Yeah. It's like when they win win a gold medal at the Olympics in hockey. That would that would be insane. Uh, we like to yeah. close out with a series of kind of get-to-know-you style questions. Uh, these are based on a Team Canada questionnaire they gave their athletes ahead of both Pyeongchang and Rio. I, I like you did a questionnaire uh, I, I mentioned before ahead of the youth olympics and uh, i kind of like uh reading through some of your answers there the the question in which they ask you on a scale of one to ten how behind in school you be after the youth olympics and you're like hmm probably a four uh so did did you end up catching up was it was it a four or did that number increase more after you got back from lucerne (laughs) um actually i was pretty far behind but um i'd say i'm pretty i'm like I always get behind in season and during competitions, but I'm pretty good at finishing it off. Um, but yeah, I was definitely very far behind. <laughs> how, how forgiving are the teachers? Uh, you, you know, like, oh, just, just going to a youth Olympics might be late on that assignment. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, um, it, growing up in a ski town, all the teachers are super, super uh, flexible just because they know that athletes like me and, uh, anyone else who grew up in Steamboat have high goals in their sport and um, having the reputation of Steamboat, um, I mean, have pretty high chances. I think they're probably a bit used to it based on us. Yeah. Of, uh, oh, big know. time. All Almost all my teachers are experienced with athletic students. So does that mean that the classrooms are always empty because everybody's just, you know, somewhere off in the world competing? Like uh, two people today, record class numbers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, not quite, but it, um, it's pretty interesting because uh, one of my um, friends is also an athlete and when we're gone, uh, it's like we're gone for weeks or months at a time and then we come back and everyone's like, oh, you were gone? <laughs> and they, yeah, it's like... Thanks for missing me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great to see you. I'm that good of a friend. Uh First question I'll ask, your favorite ever Olympic moment is? Um, as I guess, honestly, just watching uh, the Nordic Combined Boys in Vancouver 
Um, I mean, obviously, I don't remember that well, like watching it live or anything like that. But um, just watching replays of that, it's pretty cool to watch. And I mean, that's what inspired me. So probably one of my favorite moments. Fantastic. Uh, your favorite sports team as a kid was? Hmm. Um, probably the Philadelphia Eagles, just because my dad is um, a huge fan of theirs. Big Eagles. I saw on the questionnaire the, the animal you relate to is an eagle. So do, does that does that come yeah. from, from that aspect? Or is it just, I mean, flying, ski jumping kind of works for I'd eagles. say it comes more from the whole flying aspect of ski jumping, but it goes well with that. It does, it does. Uh, if you could be any superhero, who would you be? That's a hard one. Um, I'd probably have to go with the classic Superman. Um, yep. Just does everything and can do everything. <laughs> You're close to Superman, though. I think uh, anybody who does ski jumping is probably the closest you can be to Superman, right? Because you are flying. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to sell this aspect. Like, I obviously realize with the suits it's a little bit difficult, but uh, Superman cape logo Team USA into Beijing could add sort of thing, and then, you know, you could just be humming the Superman theme in the air because, again, like, you're, you're literally flying. There needs to be some tie-in that DC should be contacting, like, you know, US Nordic to, to get this involved to promote the sport. Yeah, I can't say I disagree. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> get Henry Cavill out there to give him a crack and see how he goes on it. That would be Marcus' yeah. dream. There you go. Come yeah. on. <laughs> just, exactly. just take on it. Uh, your favorite music artists are? Um, that's hard to say. I, I can't say I have favorites. Um, well, all right, I'll... I guess what I listen to the most would probably be like uh, Labyrinth, Glass Animals, and Hippie Sabotage. Um, But I don't necessarily have favorites. I kind of, I enjoy all genres except for country music. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a standard, isn't it? It's like if you like country, you you straight away you're going to say, I love country. But if it's not, it's sort of, it's somewhere in there. So is it just a case of, Spotify, you're scrolling through, like, this playlist looks cool or I'm a little bit into EDM this week, next week I'm going to listen to a bit of R&B, kind of whatever kind of Exactly. Works. Yeah, that's exactly how it is. If you could eat only one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Um, wow, these are some hard questions. Uh, <laughs> I Honestly, my teammates can actually attest to this. I have said that this is the best food I've ever had way too many times to count. So I can honestly say I like almost all foods and um, I probably would end up. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I w- would not be able to decide all the food basically. Yeah, just, just keep on them. Keep on eating. So I mean, what's, what's an Olympic, a youth Olympic food court like like is there is there a food hall or is it kind of a little bit more restricted because of the restrictions you were saying and and like do you allow yourself to go a bit crazy after your competition if there's like a wide selection of food you can eat right there was uh so being having a be in switzerland there was a ton of fondue and bread nice. um so i gotta say i went a little bit overboard on that but um i honestly it was just 
it was standard kind of buffet type food, which was very good. And uh, the fondue was a nice touch. Was it plenty of Swiss chocolate as well, I can imagine? Oh, yeah, big time. Got to have that. Brilliant. Uh, your favorite place to compete is? Hmm. Honestly, that one's a hard one because us having two sports, we have two different venues in each um, country or, uh, I guess, venue. Um, and I'd say overall, um, probably – Probably Finland or I guess Finland probably has one of my favorite uh, venues. And then I guess my favorite place to be would be Italy or Austria. Great, great. I can imagine the crowds must be insane in some of these parts in, in Europe where sort of Nordic combined is, you know, one of their national sports. I mean, that must be incredible to compete in, you know, fans like that. Yeah, exactly. Actually, uh, supposedly uh, worlds in Germany is usually – uh, like crazy, just like tens of thousands of people uh, cheering you on and everything. And obviously last season that was impossible. So I didn't really get to experience that. Um, but uh, yeah, ski jumping in order to combine is definitely way bigger in Europe. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, we're, we're really looking forward to seeing the progress that you have sort of and, and going towards Beijing and then we're crossing all those fingers and, and toes that, that it can happen. And if, if not Beijing, then, then Milan and everything moving forward with how you're going to go, Nicholas. Before we do let you go, if people want to stay up to date with your journey, follow you, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, where can people find you? Um, my Instagram, uh, well, I'm mostly on Instagram and Facebook, I guess, but my uh, Instagram handle is nicholas.malasinski. Um, and yeah, those are, those are the platforms where you could say updated. Perfect. People check it out. Nicholas, it has been a, a pleasure chatting to you, learning about the great sport of, of Nordic combined. I'm trying, I'm trying to sell it more in Australia. I'll do what I can in this part of the world because seriously, uh, we've had one athlete, as I said, 1960, it's been a long time. And you talk about trying to get people into Nordic combined in the U S I, I guarantee you that nobody in this country would know what it is. So we're doing everything we can and we'll make it grow. And then when you're winning gold in, in, in Beijing and then Milan and then moving forward, I'll try and find an Aussie that you can thrash at the same time. How does that sound? That's great to hear. Thanks for having me. And a massive thanks there to Nicholas for his time, learning a lot about the sport. And I'm just so excited to talk about Nordic Combined. I could talk about this sport all day. That and modern pentathlon, you know, are my favorite sports in the Olympics. So bring on the Nordic Combined. And as you know, through previous interviews, Channel 7, CBC, I'm still here. I'm waiting for that call up. Bring me on as a Nordic Combined athlete, uh, liaison or, or commentator. I can, I can do it. I can learn. So... Bring it on. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but we obviously wish the uh, best to Nicholas moving forward and uh, hope to see him in Beijing in uh, just a matter of days' time. And in those days, you're going to be entertained. We've got some great interviews to come. We're going to be talking more Nordic combined tomorrow. Get excited for that because uh, I mentioned a certain uh, teammate of Nicholas's in that interview. 
we may be having him on the show tomorrow. So uh, stay tuned for that. Very, very exciting. Got some more great chats in the lead up. And of course, we're inching closer and closer to the opening ceremony. And in the lead up to that, we'll have our full extensive preview episode. Jared and Colin will be joining me. We'll be previewing all things to do with the Olympics. And we'll also be doing a special episode just before that preview episode where we're basically going to bring you a clip show. We know you love a clip show, but it will be with all the athletes that we've had on the show who are going to be competing in Beijing. So we're essentially just going to have a clip show of them talking a little bit about their hopes and aspirations for Beijing because obviously we've talked to a majority of these athletes during various stages of qualification. For the most part, they haven't qualified at the time we've talked to them. So therefore, you're going to hear a little bit about uh, their hopes and, and leading into it. And we just want to focus on the guests that we've had on this show. Something a bit new. We didn't do that in the lead up to Tokyo or Pyeongchang. So this will be something that we'll do a little bit differently for that. And then, of course, daily coverage of Beijing, just like we did in Rio, just like we did in Pyeongchang, just like we did in Tokyo. Every single day, we'll have a review. Myself, Colin, and Jared will come together and we will talk about the day's events, everything that happened, bring a unique off-the-podium flavor to it, and even bring your commentary, just like we did during Tokyo. We're looking forward to doing that. And I'm telling you now, Nordic Combined has to be on that list. We're going to find a way to commentate it just somehow so watch this space big thanks again to nicholas big thanks to everybody for tuning into the show remember to subscribe on all good podcast platforms as well as hitting us up on social media to stay up to date with everything related to the show we always appreciate your support and your feedback as well we love hearing from you so shoot us a message we'd love to hear what you think about the show as always special shout out to jason momoa my name is ben this is off the podium and as always go left What an episode. You loved every single second of it. It's been, again, just quickly reminding you once again, if you want to help us win a Sports Podcast Award, sportspodcastawards.com, register to vote, click on Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast section, listen to the other nominees, and then go, hey, off the podium's awesome. They're so good. They put in so much work and so much effort, and we just love them, and they deserve to go on the podium for once. Ben's awesome. Jared's awesome. Colin's okay, but he's also kind of awesome. We'd really appreciate it. And particularly if you've actually listened to the rest of this and ended up here, because generally I assume you've well and truly tuned out by now. But seriously, if you're at this point of the podcast, then you're a true listener. And that means that you're a true fan and you should vote for us. Sportspodcastawards.com. Do it now. We will thank you forever. Literally ever. Like every episode moving forward, we will thank you forever. Sportspodcastawards.com. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll speak to you next time on Off the Podium. I'm I'm really going to go now. Bye.